2: Welcome to Getting It Out Podcast. That was Scalp with Endless Relapse. That's a song off of their new album, Black Tar, dropped today, Friday the 13th, January the 13th, on Closed Casket Activities. I hope that's not the first thing that hits you in the face this morning, because it'd be quite the barrage of hardcore, of metal, of all things extreme. One that Devin Fuentes, guitarist and vocalist, uh, admits is about uh, relapse and addiction, and The stuff that he's been through. And if you want more information on the band, I highly suggest you go listen to their new album, Blacktar, out today, everywhere, and give it a run through. It's a rough one, but it's a good one. You know what I'm saying? Speaking of rough, but good. <laughs> on this episode of the podcast, I have an interview with Brian Harris of Boston's Death Before Dishonor. Yes, if you know hardcore, you know Death Before Dishonor. They've been around for over 20 years now, and we're talking about all sorts of things, but mostly the True Till Death reissue that's coming out in one week from today on Fast Break Records. Go now, run, don't walk to the FastBreakRecords.com store and buy it. I don't know if that's their real website address, by the way, but you can Google it and find out. But before we move any further, we need that sweet, sweet Hot Zone New Jersey crossover thrash intro.
0: (laughs) Bitches and bitches!
2: Today is Friday the 13th, and that's fitting because I started it off in the most terrifying and disgusting way I could have imagined. First step of the day, maybe second step, first or second step of the day, straight out of bed, barefoot onto a cat turd in the bedroom. What is that doing up there? You know, it's one of those things to step on, lights are out, I can't see anything. It's five o'clock in the morning, but I know with the sole of my foot and with the soul of my being, that I just stepped on something disgusting that shouldn't be there, and I knew immediately where it came from because that's where it always comes from. I thought it was going to be puke. It turns out it was a turd. I don't know. If, I don't know that if that's worse. It feels worse though because the puke happens there all the time, right? For some reason, these fucking cats always puke on the carpet. And there's one carpet. There's like three carpet squares in this house. The rest is all uh, hardwood floors or. You know, hard floors, but they always puke on the carpets or the beds because they're jerks, because they're cats, right? So I figured this has got to be some puke. That's pretty gross. Got to wash my foot. And then I turn on the light to find a turd. How do you get a turd on a different floor, a different part of the house? The litter box is in the garage. We have a hole cut in the wall. It's very fancy. They can go um, through the basement into the wall, into the litter box in the garage. And you carried a turd up two flights of stairs and put it beside my bed. I don't think that's the way it works. I think you dropped that turd from your butt, straight from the butt, right there, beside where I was sleeping. That's awful. I can't imagine. can't imagine doing that to somebody. This is how you know cats are the worst people ever, if they were people, of course. Uh, They're just uh, inconsiderate little dicks. And this one, this one just had an issue with it, right? And we took care of it and we were nice to it and it woke us up every single night, scratching like crazy because it had a cone around its neck. And the other one was being weird about it because they're weird. They act like they're brother and sister. They're from the same litter. They act like they never saw each other before, growling at each other. Stupid. What are they doing? These cats. The thing about these cats though is that they uh they they were here before me. So I have no say in these cats and I've grown to like them mostly, but I don't like this stuff. I don't like barefoot cat turds on Friday the 13th. Friday morning, you think this is going to be a good day. Nope. Foot straight into a turd. That's all right. It's okay because I've got this wonderful podcast to share with you today. Also 76ers. Come on, man. You're playing the thunder. You couldn't win that one. It's pretty easy. They got two guys named Jalen Williams. That should be an automatic win. I digress. (laughs) Got a great podcast here. A cool interview with Brian Harris of Death Before Dishonor. I actually really enjoyed it this chat with him and i hope you enjoy as well we talk a lot about the true till death reissue about things to past, the present and the future as we typically do on getting it out podcast so before we get to that conversation though i'm gonna play you the song true till death which is extremely long he and i talked about this but uh let's do that first here is true till death by death before dishonor from their album true till death why it finally struck me that I need to say, hey, I want to have you on the podcast is because you guys are doing this 20-year reissue of True Till Death, uh, yeah. which I guess kind of caught me by surprise that it's been 20 years
1: since the came out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy how quick time flies. It actually, 2022 was 20 years and with like pressing plants. that's why like luckily the pre-order went up on like thanks Black Friday so we got the pre-order up but technically yeah it'll be last year was 20 years of Trudel death which is kind of crazy
2: yeah I couldn't I couldn't figure out in my mind and just by looking at the CD collection when it originally came out because I don't I don't know which version I have I don't know if I have
1: because you like reissued it like immediately right Yeah, there's two versions. So, like, initially came out of Spooks. I don't even know why it was reissued, to be honest with you. That was so long ago. Like, I know. So, even when I was like trying to figure out exactly when it came out, and if you read, it was hard enough for me to even find a couple of these CDs, but to read the liner notes, I don't think it gives like a month. I just know it was 2000. And because we started this band in 2021, we put out a demo shortly after. And then a year later, we did Trudeau Death. So, it had to be like spring. 2002 that we recorded it and came out. I, I don't, I don't even really know. And then there's like a different version that Spook City did. And I don't know why, or what's different on there. To be honest. Well, I think I th-
2: the one version includes the nurse, the flame songs. <laughs> so
1: just that must've been it. I, I don't know why we included that. Yeah. So we did the split. We did Trudel Death. I don't know what came first, the split, maybe the split came afterwards. Then we added it to the re-release. I don't, it looks like here's, here's the way it
2: looks. So I'm, I just pulled it up on Wikipedia which is funny that it's on wikipedia but it's but it's there it has your wartime demo uh 2001 true till death yeah. 2002 split yeah. 2003 and the true till death reissue 2004 th- four years in a row
1: that's weird okay but that makes sense <laughs> i mean like timeline that kind of lines up i remember doing our Flame Split, and then i don't know maybe that's not a press and we just added the songs i don't know why but yeah no. okay I'll take your
2: word. It's on cool. It. Uh, I I don't I don't even know which version of it I have, but uh, had it for a while. Uh, been been a fan for a while, so you know that's. I guess I've been listening to your band for twenty years, which is it's it's funny to say now, because I I think you know. Rem, do you remember like when you're. Maybe, maybe it wasn't true for you, but I know it definitely was for me when you first like getting into hardcore and there's like a uh, badge of honor about like how long this person's been sure. in the scene, been involved. And then like at some point, it just doesn't fucking matter anymore because right. <laughs> cause it really doesn't matter. And then to go like, well, I guess it has been 20, 25 years.
1: No, you're 100% right. Yeah, because you start going to shows, you'd be like, dude, I heard that dude has been going to shows since whatever, 1986. And then you're like <laughs> the young person. And then yeah, eventually like... You're just a part of the scene going to shows, being in a band, and before you know it, you're like, All right, yeah, I guess it's like, even this re release, like, I don't, I'm not like a, I think it's cool that we've been a band for 20 something years, like, I'm kind of proud of that. Um, I'm not like a celebratory person, but I was like, and Joe Hardcore and like Richie Crutch, like, kind of approached me on this, and the thought had been out there, and it was kind of like, let's do this fast break. We'll do it. And I was like, you know what? Like it never came out on vinyl and a bunch of people always hit me up because it's not on like Spotify and stuff like that. I think there's like yeah. a view of it. And I was like, in those songs, like, I mean, that record obviously was an important thing at the time for us, but I think we sound like a different band now, even though we play still true to death and stuff like that. But like, but it's cool to kind of honor it, even though I'm not like, uh, I don't know. I'd, probably be a little more sentimental with the friends Family, forever record than i would this but but without Trudel death we probably wouldn't be here so
2: yeah i i think i can i can echo that a little bit in that i don't think i heard of you until the song true till death um and then but then it it felt like friends family forever was like the breakthrough for you guys but um certainly Trudel death and and really a a lot of that spook city record stuff at that time was uh was was very popular it was a very it was a wild time you
1: know yeah no they had a lot going on and i i mean sean was really good to us at that time like he was living in like i want to say like norristown pa or something right that's near philly yeah, yeah yeah and so he was like home base out of there we were always touring up and down the east coast and staying at his house and he was putting out a bunch of records like all like same type of level of band like bands that were doing like weekend tours together and he he did a bunch of cool stuff and like was open to cool stuff because i remember when we met the nourish flame guys on a whim we were like i don't know doing some weekend and like this was like the beginning of the internet we showed up to some, like one of our shows got canceled in north carolina we showed up to like a skate park in fayetteville based on like some weird website that you could kind of see shows. And we're like, oh, they got tattoos. They must be hardcore. <laughs> so it's stupid. <laughs> and we showed up and the promoter was like, yeah, there's no room for you on this show. And then these dudes were in the parking lot. They're super rad. And they're like, dude, just split a set with us. And it was one of the craziest shows we ever played. And then, you know, I was like, we got to do a split. And Sean from Suk City was so down to do stuff like that at the time. It was rad.
2: Well, that was the, that was the time in the era where the phrase tough guy, hardcore was very prevalent. And you guys were, uh, were a big part of that, whether you whether you whether appropriate or not. It's definitely. Funny. Was. I it, think... It's really funny like, right. looking back like tough, tough guy, hardcore, man. That was a fucking thing. I don't think it's a thing anymore.
1: I, yeah, I don't. We definitely got labeled that forever, and like even when we signed up bridge nine, and there was a bridge nine board, it was just like always this thing. And it's crazy to me because like when we started this band in two thousand and one, mm-hmm. like you know at that time, like I was super into like Master Killer by Marauder, Hate Breed, Satisfaction, like all this just super heavy hardcore, and that's all I wanted to be. It was yeah. like a heavy hardcore band. Like I didn't and I listened to multiple stuff, but I was definitely more into the heavier stuff. So that was like the goal in starting this band to be super heavy. And then I mean, I still think we're heavy, but like, you know what I mean? Like we kind of like, we kind of found our pocket in writing as we got into like the later stages of friends, Only forever and count me in. But yeah, you're still right. Like it was just like tough guy, hardcore. And I'm like, what, what, what makes it like we weren't, like fighting every night. I mean, I'm sure we got into <laughs> stuff. We were young and dumb, but it wasn't like, oh, DVD played and the show got shut down. and They beat everybody up. Like that wasn't a thing. But it was such a label, and I, it was a stigma on one end. But at the other time, there was a whole scene of quote unquote tough guy bands. I guess they would say, you know what I mean? Or, you know, in my opinion, it was just heavier hardcore.
2: Right, right. It was like a thing that was like derogatory coming from somebody's mouth but a yes. compliment coming from somebody else's and uh it really determined who was going to be at your show you know for sure yeah because I, I always talk about this uh, at the, the time i lived in baltimore how the, there was the sidebar scene and there was the art space scene and both of right. them were hardcore scenes and one of them was you know a, a, a rowdier crowd and one of them wasn't and i for feel sure. like that's uh, fair or not that was you guys got put in put in the one and, uh, but it, but it seemed like you embraced that. And for good reason, I don't think it was doing anybody any harm. And, uh, it, you, you certainly fit the bill at the time. Um, but there was a lot of stuff on coming out in spook city records specifically around that era. But I mean, I think for a lot of people, you probably had to get on a lot of radars with the whole Boston Beatdown thing. Cause you were a pretty, uh, prominent character in that whole DVD. <laughs> How do you look back on that
1: now? Uh, I don't love it. I don't hate it. I don't not. It's, it's a time and a place when that came out. You know what I mean? Like this goes back to the tough guys thing. Like you can take the music of death on, or We're like, we we didn't help our situation when we're in the Boston beatdown or on gangland or what, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, there was a lot of things that didn't help our situation, but, uh, as far as like what people thought, but at the same time, like the Boston beatdown, Town, uh, you know i mean I, I lived in boston i was around for a lot of this stuff it wasn't me beating up all these people in these videos you know there was just a lot of crazy shit going on in boston that was captured on videos you when know, my friends were like putting it together i'm like cool you know no, we'll I, I, negative I, look, publicity look, like and, and you're talking and, to and, somebody who bought it right so like you're not <laughs> you know no, and i, I bought, it and bought it, it a million time. Time. times yeah i thought it was cool i think like i think and and to be honest, like the first time I went to Europe, I mean, I went to like Cortex Records. They had the Boston Beatdown posters everywhere. My mind was blown. I was like, these people know about this. But anyways, I think that, I think that it did, it definitely like helped us out for what was going on at the time, right? Um, mm-hmm. Definitely, it, I just feel like at some point, and I, by no means am I trying to be like, there's a message here. But I lived here and I saw like, why there was violence certain times and why there didn't need to be violence at other times and I th- I feel like at years later the like I said there's not really a message in this but I feel like the message was like yeah just go to Hartford and beat up everybody and it was like a thing and it was cool and it was like damn like that's gonna fuck everything up <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah And I haven't watched it in many years but it'd be it, I, I, I probably still have it around here somewhere. It'd be it'd be an interesting watch now to look back at it, like as a, uh, uh well now uh, as a parent, like as For a, sure, <laughs> as a, For like, sure, like just look watching it now. I'm like, oh, huh, I watched this a lot. I wonder how that uh, <laughs> what why why my hand got broken so many times.
1: Right, but, uh, right. Yeah. So like <laughs> I said, I mean, it definitely like it definitely, it definitely like got our name out there more. You know, at that time we mm-hmm. were trying to do anything we could. You know, we started with doing weekends, and then we toured a little bit here and there. And it really wasn't until like '05, Friends, Family, Forever, we really started touring. But we were trying to get out there, so like anything we could get on to get our name out there, and it definitely helped get our name out there for sure.
2: Sure, yeah, yeah. Well, I I I want to get to how you really started getting to it around Friends, Family, and Forever, or Friends, Family, Forever. Um, And actually, I was talking to Chris Wren couple of weeks ago and he kind of shared that story as well that i think i already know because i heard you tell it before but we'll get to that shortly but i i gotta imagine that you were like the expert on how to spell till right
1: <laughs> uh I, I still like fuck that up so i'm not the expert by means. No. well which one is, is it two l's or one i think we put two l's but if i, I don't know what it's supposed to be
2: Ah, well, I thought you would know because I don't either. And I just figured you are the guy to ask because you've been dealing with it forever.
1: Uh, I feel like we did two L's and we're stick. You know what? I'm just going to stick to it. That's the way it's supposed to be. I see other people with one L and I'm like, that's way cool. I should have done that.
2: Uh, I honestly but, don't but, but is it like one L and an apostrophe? You know, like it's, no, it's, it's a weird.
1: T-I-L-L. Nothing. That I think. Yeah, that's what I'm going Yeah, for. I think that's the way you did it. Yeah. That's that's <laughs> our style of it. <laughs> that's, that's a tough guy style, as they say.
2: <laughs> there you go there you go well another thing uh, about uh about true till death the song specifically you know what i remember about that song i remember that song being great right it was like a yep. it was like a single it was like a hardcore single
1: but it wasn't being long dude if i could go back in time uh, even with this re-release i always say if i could dude, that that's was like four and a half fucking minutes i'm like yeah i can swear on this right i'm sorry if I yeah can. absolutely um, yeah. i'm like dude we should have went back and re-recorded it and like cut half of it out and it won't last. Like there'll be sets like we just did the the show at like reverb and we only had like 25 minutes. Like dude, this song takes up like, like play the radio. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it is super long. And this goes back to like, all right, so I guess my biggest complaint, it's not even a complaint, right? So you start a band, we did wartime demo and that's only like four songs. And then we did a full length and we were all super young and like learning what we were doing. And I won't knock by any means that record, but I do think a lot of stuff was like, we, we, we didn't know quote unquote how to write. I still don't know if we do, but you know, we didn't know what we were doing. We we're just like, yeah, we're a hardcore band. Man. Let's do this. Oh, let's repeat this. So a lot of stuff in that rec record to me is almost like a run on sentence. You know what I mean? Like, I feel sure, like, yeah. and you know, there's some stuff that's cool. It's just like, you know, we were young and I don't really think we knew what we were doing. And I bet if we went back in time, cause throughout the years we're always like man, song is so fucking long <laughs> but it is you're not wrong it's i'm think it's great that you point that out because it's crazy how long it is
2: it is it, uh, I, I listened to it today because well like you mentioned that is the only song from this record currently up on uh, streaming services at least spotify and uh I, th- I do think that's one of the cool things about you you guys reissuing this uh i think you said earlier that uh Joe and Richie approached you about doing this. Um, was this, is that how this all happened? And and with I think break?
1: so. Like, I mean, I talk to Joe all the time, so I feel like I had mentioned it. I, you know, I could have hit up Chris, Ryan, Like we've been with Bridge9 forever. Um, I just wasn't really like, it's one of those things. I have this habit of being like, oh, you know, what? we should do this. This would be cool, right? Like re-release Trudel Death. And then I get busy and that's not on the top of my mind. I think I was talking to Joe. And I was like, oh, yeah, we should probably do this. And he reached out maybe to Richie and uh, Tim at Fast Break and like came back and he was like, hey, why don't you do this with Fast Break? And like where he kind of like took the reins on it instead of me like calling Chris Wren and like figure this all out, like he kind of put the wheels in motion, him and Richie. Uh, Cause I was speaking with, th- I was speaking with Joe and then like Richie was my point man for a minute at Fast Break before I started talking to Tim and just getting everything together. And, they kind of just like, like I said, took the reins on it and just started being like, Hey, you, you know, send me this. And then they're like, we should the add f- the warden. facilitator who we might call it, the Draymond sure. of the situation. For sure. So that definitely <laughs> got the wheels in motion. And then I was like, cool. You know, like, I don't know. I haven't put out anything on a different label in many years. And like, I love Chris, you know, I, I probably would have called Chris and been like, Hey, do you want to put this out? But I just, <sighs> wasn't really thinking about it. And then, yeah, uh, that all led to this and it came together kind of quick, which is cool. You know what I mean? And we're adding the wartime demo onto there. Um, we added, like there was just some like stupid, I guess, like, not even intros, like phone like all this goofy stuff that we put on it that like had significance to us and our friends around here when we were, I don't know, however old. So we just kind of cleaned up the record a little bit, um, added the wartime thing. Oh, and the other thing that was cool about it, so Juicy Joel from Clench Fist, he did the original artwork and we had already like he's always like man I could do that better you know because he his his brother ended up playing drums in Death Force Honor for a while and he would tour with us and we'd always just make a joke so it was really cool to get him to redo the artwork we got it remastered cleaned it up added the wartime thing and yeah Trudel Death is up on Spotify and the rest of the record will be up on Spotify on the 20th of January so yeah, it all came I thought together. that was the That's official cool. release date yeah. Yeah. yeah it's the 20th
2: well, that's, that's very cool. And, uh, you know, cause it was, it was actually like, I, I don't, I don't realize how much I rely on Spotify and streaming until I want to listen to something and it's not there. Like I know I have right. a true till death CD somewhere in my garage and all my bins of CDs, but, uh, I have so many fucking CDs in there. You know how long it's going to take me to find well, it? Well, I was just going to yeah. say,
1: I'm, I'm the same way. I got a bunch of shit that like, I don't even have it here in my apartment. It's at like my parents' house basement. But yeah, I mean the, the time and energy it would go through for me to drive over there, look through it. Yeah, because I used to be like the anti Spotify guy, but now, yeah, I'm like, yeah. thank Lord for Spotify is right there. And, and yeah, even like, <clears throat> even trying to figure out some of this Foodal Death stuff, like, I was, I had to go find the CD to listen to it and, like, you know, do some of the editing and the timing on it. And I was like, be nice if it was on Spotify. I don't have to travel everywhere and put a <laughs> CD in and then upload it. But yeah.
2: You know, it's funny. I, I uh, put a, well, we put a hold on a car this week to buy a new car. I was like, it doesn't, it doesn't have a fucking CD player in it. What am I, I going to do with all these CD? Like I don't, now my computer doesn't have one. Right. My car won't have one. Like what the fuck? So, <laughs> so I'm glad you're redoing it on vinyl because I listen to my records all the time and they're easy to find. So, uh, so yeah, I, I got to get myself one, one of these, um, they, they I think you were selling them at uh, a at reverb, right?
1: Uh, fast break was selling them. so like he had got the records like right before that, uh, the actual records. And he was like, you know what? It'd be cool to do a little like holiday thing. Like, you know, the cover, it had like a, mm-hmm. uh, limited sleeve with like wrapping paper. Yeah. It was cool. He had a bunch of them there, uh, of that version. I think like 30, I don't know what he did or didn't sell uh, but he, we just sold that there. We didn't sell any other forms of the record. He was just trying to keep it all close because he wasn't able to get the pre-order out. And he just would feel bad if right, a bunch right. of people pre-ordered and then like everybody else is getting them and not you, you know <laughs> what I mean? So we just did 30 of the, the Holiday Jam version and like I think I'm actually getting them this week. But yeah, it's cool to have it on vinyl. I feel like vinyl stands the test of time with stuff. Um, and we never did that record on vinyl. It only came out on CD, so... It, I think it's cool and it looks cool on vinyl so I'm psyched on it.
2: Yeah no I think it's I think it's a very cool and I think I genuinely think it would be considered like a a instrumental classic 2000s hardcore record like early 2000s it was because hardcore was a little weirder back, I mean it was totally weirder back then well I don't yeah, know if it's weirder sure. than it is now but y- you know it was there was a lot of metalcore there was a lot of medical. American Nightmare shit there was yep. but like but like for you guys, you guys were kind of playing. And here's something that's always annoyed me about not not about you, but about the way death of War, death of honor or bands like death of what is honor strength for a reason. Uh, bands like that have been like categorized as this like beatdown hardcore when right. you guys are kind of playing something closer to straight up hardcore than most of the hardcore that was around at the time.
1: Absolutely. I think I think you're totally right. It takes strength for a reason like that. I mean, I remember getting that first for a Reason demo, and I think I still have this somewhere in like '97 or something. 90, I don't know what year it came out, but my old band. Yeah. Them. But yeah, no, that's another band. I, I that's what I mean. Like when I was coming up, to me, like whether I listened to Marauder or Strife or Hatebreed or Madball or Agnostic Front, and, and take Agnostic Front for example, right? So mm-hmm. Agnostic Front is a hardcore band, right? If you go through their catalog it goes from like super old school eighty style to i don't know metal driven on like one voice does yeah. this right crossover we'll call it but you know they'll they'll say crossover and then like there's what are, are they gonna call them the punk years you know what i mean yeah, and like then, this,
2: yeah the, the, the oi influenced yeah shit.
1: yeah but ultimately agnostic fronts the hardcore band so that's why it's always crazy to me when someone's like oh this is tough guy this is beat down like and obviously like I guess we go back to Boston beatdown. I don't know the beatdown thing always just drove me crazy because I was just like, where like you said, like there's bands like us, you know, uh, strange for a reason. There were so many bands at time, mushmouth, all types of bands that were just like heavy, but, yeah, but yeah. not not like just straight up heavy, just like heavier hardcore. But like, tell me, Madball set it off is not a heavy hardcore record? You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 <coughs> when I and maybe maybe you're the same, maybe not probably it's probably safe for you to say you're not when i use the term beat down hardcore i probably mean it derogatory because like outside of bulldoze anything that identifies as beat down hardcore i think mostly sucks but like i and i wouldn't call the head like it was weird how that you know beat down hardcore is just the, the breakdowns the stupid, It's mesh shorts and, just breakdown you know, down after breakdown
1: yeah it's yeah, not really it's, my it's, thing it's, like you said I, I would it's attribute, annoying. I would attribute coming up like Bulldoze being like a beatdown band because of that song. But like, I I guess a lot of this terminology that was used later, like you're, like you're talking about, like it wasn't really like thrown around by the people that were doing it. And then other people were like, oh, that's this. And I was just like, that's just a goofy term. You know what I mean? And then, yeah, yeah. you know, you look now and there's like bands that like embrace the beatdown thing. That's, but it's, it's basically like, heavy breakdown after breakdown. You know what I mean? I'm not saying if you listen to Trudel Death or any stuff like that, there isn't heavy breakdowns, but it wasn't like a focus in our mind. But it was definitely a thing that was thrown around like crazy when it's like... But if you think about it, right? The early 2000s, mid 2000s, everything had to have a label, right? Like metalcore yeah. or beatdown or posi or like, you know what I mean? It's really weird yeah from oh yeah emo this that like coming from the 90s where it was just like you would go to a show a hardcore show and you would see you know whatever such mad ball biohazard life agony orange nine millimeter you weren't like this is this type this is that it was just a hardcore sure. show you know and it was different styles so it's really weird and i don't know if that was because of like the internet or something. Like, I don't know what it was like because of, you know, because of the internet and message boards. Cause if you remember early 2000 message boards were huge (laughs) or mid 2000s. (laughs) So a lot of terminology could be thrown around a lot, a lot, you know, opposed to like back in the day, you'd have to like read a zine and pick something up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think it's all kind of goofy.
2: (laughs) It is. And it was, and it always will be, but it's, it's not going to go away now. Now it's like a, now it's like a whole thing, but now it's kind of funny because now, now it's like everything is hardcore and nothing's hardcore. And it's really just about, I don't, I don't really know. I don't really know. <laughs> I'm, I, am I, I I can confidently say I'm out of touch at this point. I don't, I barely go to shit anymore. Most of my the way I keep up is listening. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'm like doing the opposite that what you're doing. Cause it seems like you're fucking out there more than ever. And maybe that's just from my,
1: I think in the last, like, so, I mean, this is, we're obviously not going chronologically and anything and I don't care. But so like, we didn't put out a record from 2009 till 2019, right? So there's a 10-year yeah. gap. Um, and, you know, 2009, Better Waste Than I comes out. We're, we're touring. We've been touring. We're a touring machine. We toured off of that. So like a few years, then Frankie stopped touring. You know, we went through a lot of member changes, but that was because of years of touring. You know, people getting married so there was that but we were still touring then you know I personally I think I was beat had a lot of weird stuff anyways uh, so like 2007 we never stopped touring we just stopped touring as much so 2017 14 17 like all those years are kind of weird and we never got a record out even though these, we had songs written we just were either touring or trying you know teaching a new bass player or personal stuff so when unfinished business came out in 2019 like things in life are kind of in the right place and like lineup wise the band's a little tighter and so i was minus the pandemic yeah we're out there we're trying to do a lot more stuff you know we're not doing what we used to do like the 200 days a year but we're for sure i don't know it feels good i feel like we're uh not that we we're ever not a real band but we're a real band again you know what i mean like those <laughs> weird years where we were kind of burnt out like personally mentally burnt out personal shit going on couldn't put a record together not because of songs just because of life i was it's, it's just a weird time so yeah we're definitely out there doing way more than we have in a long time and it feels really good
2: yeah i think i think i thought you were well i never thought you were done because i always saw you guys were playing shows but i thought the uh, that new death before dishonor was done because you know some bands just kind of roll into that like uh, we're not just we're just not doing any more new records and uh and because well to backtrack a little bit i was a little behind on better ways to die and i remember i remember when i finally bought it and i remember listening to it in the fucking cd player of my car and just being feeling like an idiot that I didn't listen to this record immediately. I that I love that record. Like for, uh, so, for so many different reasons. And uh, I don't know if it's uh if it's a fan favorite or not, but I think that record is so good. So it was noticeable to me when there wasn't anything for another 10 years. But then you drop Unfinished Business, which is great as well. And both of them are fucking pretty fast records. Pretty sh- I mean, better ways to that, maybe a little longer, but um Unfinished yeah. is just a fast hardcore record. And it's something that I feel like people don't think about or expect from Death Before Dishonor.
1: Well, I think, I mean, all right. So I, I appreciate what you said, but I, I do think Better Ways to Die. um I love that record. um I do think it came out at a time, I, I don't know, too much going on. Like I, those songs actually do pretty well live now, but I feel like, I don't know. I feel like the record didn't do as great, especially it didn't do as great as, like, Count Me or Friends like, Forever. But, like, I don't know, time. I, yeah. Whatever. Um, and then Unfinished Business, granted, it had been 10 years, but, like, I feel like nowadays people's um, attention span spans short. So, like, it's only eight songs. And people are like, you put out a record for 10 years, you should put 12 songs on it. And I was like, dude, I want a record that kind of goes back to Friends Forever in the sense, like, it's just all energy and there's no down. And the way people like listen to things now, cause we had more songs. It was just like, mm-hmm. let's put out stuff. That's just like all energy. And I do think, I don't know. I mean, if you go back to even friends, silly forever, the song friends, silly forever is kind of fast born for misery is fast. Yeah. I mean, we've always, this, goes, this is like what I was saying, like when we did true to death, like we were kids. And then as we got older, and I think you've seen a lot in better ways to die. We really like touched on our musical influences. Like, you know what I mean? Like we're in a punk, we're in a fast hardcore, we're in a heavy hardcore, we're in a everything. You know what I mean? We're not just like the band that like wants to try to recreate master killer. Not that we did that, but you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, <laughs> yes. all our influence and we, we learned to expand more. And, uh, yeah, I, I. That's why it's like it's funny because, you know, sometimes we still even like get like, oh, they're like a beatdown band. I'm like, dude, we have woes and fast shit, like fast punk hardcore. And don't get me wrong, it's our spin on it, but it's like, we don't do it like on purpose. It's the shit we're into, you know, as well as super yeah. heavy stuff. But it, yeah, I, there's a lot of fast stuff in Death Forefront.
2: Yeah, well, I think. I think you guys don't get the credit for being the type of hardcore band you are. I think you're underappreciated in, in a, in a lot of, a lot of aspects. Um, but I don't know. I, I mean, is that something, is that something you feel not that you're not, not uh, asking if it's something that makes no, you feel salty no, I, about it, but I mean, something you recognize.
1: I think so, you know, I hate to like look at my own band like this, but to be like a hundred percent honest, I think, I think when we come out of the gate, in like Oh five, we get a lot of buildup and a lot of momentum in 2008. And then we did a lot of touring. We went to Europe a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. I think then there's like a lull in the band. Like this goes back to like the better ways to die, even though that record's amazing. I think there was a period where not always underappreciated, but like, you know, I was bitter about a couple like, how come we didn't get this tour? How come we didn't get this, you know, not how come people aren't buying our records, just more opportunities. Cause I'm just the type of guy, like what I try to do with my band is just get in front of people. You know what I mean? And you see like other bands of our level, like getting this bigger tour to expose them to something. And we're just getting left in the dust. And I'm like, all right, cool. Uh, But we have that touring history. So that stuff like kind of bummed me up, but I think like coming back full circle, I will say this, I will say since like 2019, and part of it is us too, right? Like when I was in that lull for, you know, a handful of years in like 2014 to 17, like my dad was there, I was burnt out and stuff. Like we were, we used to do 200, 250 shows a year, man. And it was just like burnt. And like, I never stopped going to shows. I never stopped being in a band, but I think like I was just burnt. And like now where I'm at in life, like I've been going to more shows, uh, I think the band is playing with a lot more different. When I say types, I don't mean like non-hardcore. I just mean like younger bands, older bands. We're doing a lot more and I feel like I'm starting to see a little more of the appreciation now. But there was definitely like years where I'm like, I felt like not slighted, but like. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring.
0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
1: I don't know. We just didn't get certain opportunities, but it is what it is, right? Like, I, right, right. Yeah. I, like, but, but, s- we are but still
2: for a, for a, for like a, for like on, a, on like a show to show basis. And I'm not, I'm not, and I apologize if it sounds like I'm trying to get you to like fucking expand on sour grapes. No, That's no, no I, don't just, I don't mind. I don't mind. It's just pure stuff. curiosity. Um, like, like, for like most hardcore bands, you know, they thrive on audience participation and energy. And sure. uh, maybe when you're not getting like that on a particular night, like where does the mind go? It's like, is, is it a case by case? How do you like, is it this <laughs> It's set? definitely is case it... by case.
1: You you start learning just like a show's a show. And like, you're going out there to play, like you said, all right, hardcore is based on the crowd, but it's also based on like, like your sites to play this music, right? Like you wrote this yeah. stuff. You're like, and there's nights where like, I'm like, all right, you're going to stay there. Well, I love this shit and I'm going to go the fuck off. <laughs> but the other weird thing with depth for Hunter is like, so, you know, there'd be times in the States where there's like a lull, but like, whatever. So you have a handful of bad shows and you get a handful of good shows, but like, we're also going to Europe and play these huge festivals. So <laughs> it's weird because we did so much international touring. So, For me to just be like, oh, we didn't get this opportunity and this opportunity, there was a shit ton of opportunities that we did get. Like we've been to so Mm -hmm. many different countries and stuff multiple times and we've done stuff internationally and in the US that I don't think a lot of people, whether they know it or not, like I don't think a lot of people get those opportunities. So I'm also like fortunate for that, if that makes sense. So it's like a double-edged sword. Like I could be like, we don't get the respect at times, but I'm also like, dude, like we also been to like, Certain countries that a lot of bands don't get to go to multiple times, and they were amazing. You know, so I, I don't. You know, you try to just like every night's different. You just go out there and do your thing, and like not overthink it. Sure, are there time? Are there some nights you're like, what the hell, man? Last time we played Chicago was insane, and now there's it sucks. But like you start learning it comes with a territory because like there's so many different bands there's newer bands there's older bands you don't you know what i mean in in hardcore hardcore is a great thing but you know there's times where people are focused on a certain set of bands and is that a bad thing i don't know you know what i mean it it is what it is
2: yeah sometimes it's more like you just gotta endure it for a time period and it'll come back it'll go away you know and
1: i think you appreciate it more when you do you know what i mean because like yeah, yeah i've seen the highs and i've seen the lows and like you know sometimes it's like that bonding experience with your band or bands you're on tour with and you have a couple bad shows and you're just like Dude, we're just gonna make the best of this this is what we're doing like we're out here <laughs> we're here most people are at work we're playing music that we want to play, like you know what I mean. You really start learning, like I, it just is what it is, you know. Like I, that's why I try not to be like bitter about stuff because there's so many positive things. Like, dude, I, like I said, I got to play 250 shows a year, multiple countries. Like, and it's not even the amount of shows, but it's just like, and even now to be a, I'm 44 years old. This band's been around for 22 years, and like you said, in the last like minus the pandemic we've been having a lot more opportunities or taking opportunities or just going out there doing our thing and like things have been pretty good and I'm very like fortunate for that you know what i mean to that kids still fuck with us you know what i mean like
2: yeah I, absolutely and i think for someone like myself and other people like myself who you know kind of kind of have been part of at least as, from a fan perspective the whole time of uh, watching and being Uh, and and loving death before dishonor it's cool to it's so cool to see you guys still doing it to see you still going like because i mean my situation i i don't know i'm i'm totally content living family life barely going to shit just listen to music and but it still (sighs) makes me it makes me so happy to see bands like yours going out there and still doing it like still i don't know i appreciate it. and and we have that
1: cool about it You know, for being a band this long, right? So we have a bunch of, you know, I hate saying the word fans, but let's, you know, people that are into our band that are married with families and can only support us by, I don't know, buying a record, checking out Spotify, grabbing a shirt every now and again, once in a while coming out to a show when it, when when timing is right, you know? Yeah. When the
2: plan is aligned and you know, sure. everything. <laughs>
1: yeah. and I get it. Yeah. That's why, that's why we went through band members too. You know, it gets to a point where people need to do families and buy a house that can't be in a hardcore band that might make a hundred dollars a night. Um, <laughs> but I totally get it. But you know, and on the other aspect, like, you know, hardcore still alive and thriving, probably the best it's been in a long time with these younger bands, uh, yeah, whether it's something that, um, you know, is it a little different? Sure. But like the, 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 the feeling of it's there and you can tell it like, you know, playing with these younger bands, seeing these younger bands, even like, you know, granted I'm 44, but when I'm hanging out at the Middle East at a show and you know, it's not just me and my old friends, I hang out with a bunch of younger people, you know, that's, that's who goes to shows. Granted, we're not going to talk about like the days of like, reading a thanks list on how to find out shows. But I mean, the spirits there, these kids are psyched on these bands and they're supporting the bands. And it's like, I think it's cool. And I think it's cool to still be, I'd like to say relevant. Our shows have been pretty good. Granted, we're not the biggest, but I, dude, I'm happy with what I am. You know what I mean? I'm happy with still playing in this band because I've always loved it. I've never stopped doing it. It's something I really believed in. And I'm just happy that people appreciate us. Even if it's not everybody, but you know the love's there. I, I've been feeling it lately.
2: Good, good. Well, I, the, I think the persistence is really appreciated too, and like the way you've you've kept it, you've kept it going, um, and specifically like kind of what I from my purview was like a resurgence. But talk to me about a little bit about the uh, what we might call the peak of death of dishonor. because as 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 I know it, there was friends family forever, yep. and then a phone call from Roger. And yeah, then so count me in, and all of this kind of becomes like the, in my opinion, the peak of Death Before
1: Dishonor. Yeah, like the 05, to like 08, 09 was mm-hmm. like insane. But yeah, it all started like, you know, we had done True Death. <laughs> we started writing songs that were a little more, well, better put together. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, we had done the split stuff, but even in the split, you hear like the fluid, Notion flame, you hear like a little bit of a different, not style, but you know, the way we form our songs are not like all long as fuck. Um, so, <laughs> but I'm trying to like get on a label and I, we didn't like have by any means, any like falling out with spook city or anything. It was more like, all right, dvd doing weekends we go to the west coast like we just want to tour we're like all right we started as a band like you know it'd be cool we'll play shows that people know our words and they're like it'd be cool to leave the state they're like dude we can let's just keep on playing so i'm trying to get on a label and i also want to like record a record at a better place and i reach out to a bunch of people get shut down by almost everybody except for chris red and chris red was very honest He was like dude i'm not gonna lie to you i don't love Trudel death he's like let me come out and see your bands <laughs> i'm like cool and he came out and started like the play to him or something like that and he was like you know what man he's like you guys are fucking amazing live <laughs> so we linked up with him and uh he's like cool we got his outpost i sent him a book i don't know if you heard demos uh and we recorded the record and friends Were really forever and literally like two months before it came out like he had the like you know advanced copies he was sending out to people in <laughs> agnostic front was going to europe with Terror and Diecast for a Unity tour. It was like a branded tour. And Terror had to cancel on like two weeks' notice. And somebody over Oda Oda uh, rest in peace, who used to run a magazine, but heavily involved in the music scene over there. He had sure, heard sure. Friends Filling really Forever. And when he heard Terror dropped off the tour, they needed a, a band. And he brought it up to Mark and MAD. And yeah, I got a phone call being like, yo, can you guys go, or an email? I don't remember, but can you guys go to Europe for six weeks? And dude, it was like, we had to leave in 10 days. And we didn't have passports. I had a court case going on. And I just went, yep. I don't know how to do this. I just went, yep. And then I hit up Chris random I'm like, dude, I need to borrow money. <laughs> I need flights. <laughs> and then luckily the boss in Boston, we have a passport office. So if you buy a plane ticket without a passport, you can go to the passport office. With all your paperwork and pay a lot of money, but you can get a passport in 24 to 48 hours. So that's what we all had to okay. do: I had to go to court, pay off some court fines, and then yeah. Roger, Roger actually called me afterwards. He wasn't the initial phone call, but I'm like, dude, I'm going to Europe with a plastic front on a bus for six weeks. Like, what? Who's, you can't say no to that. Quit our jobs. I don't know what the fuck we did. We we're just like, yeah, all right, dude, we're going. And uh, I didn't believe it until the bus showed up, and the bus was late. And I was like, yep, see, I told you this wasn't going to fucking happen. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, we ended up doing that tour and uh, it was awesome. And Roger and all the guys, Vinnie, Mike, they were uh, very awesome to us. And they liked us and they were doing a U.S. tour afterwards. They were on tour supporting...
2: Warriors, probably. No, another No, voice, before probably. the Warriors.
1: Um, another Another voice. voice. Yep. And yeah. they, they were touring like crazy and like Love is Red broke up or something like that at the time. And they were on the yeah. U.S. part of it. So Roger's like, yo you want to do the U S shit. So I'm in Europe for six weeks and then we get offered another like home for two weeks and out for six weeks. And we had never toured more than a week. So all of a sudden we're out for like three months with one week off all over Europe, no days off all over the U S even the U S he offered us like eight weeks. We can only do six weeks of it because the one thing we did do is start planning a tour of blacklisted. Um,
2: I was going to say, yeah, at that point, you guys couldn't have had jobs to go back to if you're. If you're
1: no, we kind of sort of notice. Yeah. We we were like we were very eager to just get out there. So yeah, so that was like the initial like set off for the band, and that started into like literally, I think it was like oh seven oh eight. We did two to two hundred fifty shows a year, and that tour in Europe like led to, you know, great exposure in Europe and AF taking us out in the states, and all of a sudden we just started doing a bunch of shit tours after tours after tours, and things were really well and uh yeah in like oh seven i think we did count me in and that sold really well did really well like i think that was like the peaks for us you know like but i mean there was other peaks and you know i know th- that was the peak for like the states you know we did a lot of cool tours in the t- states we did that like 10 for 10 tour i don't know what year that was that was insane Ooh, maybe that was I, like oh nine yeah did a bunch of cool shit um but things were good. What
2: was bands. the big like, disaster with 10 for 10? Was that Tennessee or some shit? What happened?
1: Knoxville, Tennessee. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it was a venue that um, like never did a hardcore show. And the opening band, it wasn't even on the tour. Uh, fuck. I can't forget their name. They're from 10, Tennessee. They played. Yeah. No, there's still 10 bands. There just wasn't 10 touring bands. Um, <laughs> it was weird. Every night was same, but different. Anyways, the opening band covered Marauder. And dudes from Trapped Under Ice were like moshing, and then security started grabbing them, but like assaulting them, and then we just went to war with security. It was
2: bad. I knew it was Justice's fault. I knew it. <laughs> it was. It might
1: have been that Sam Marauder.
2: Yeah, probably gets, if, uh, moshing this trap, in, or to Marauder is probably a Sam move um, for sure.
1: But yeah, so you know, we did a bunch of stuff, and that was like great times for us, man. Um, but you know, then you get into like momentum's great. I think. Better Ways Said I was an amazing record. You know, it's probably a record we took most time on it. But then after that, it was like, I don't know, do we focus on Europe and international shit too much instead of the States? I don't know. We had a lot more opportunities in Europe. And then you try to balance it. And then, like, Frankie, who had been in the band, he's like the original bass player, but he, like, slash, like, writer. He ends up having a kid, can't tour anymore. And, you know, we just go through this thing of like band member changes, you know, uh, B roll left yeah, the band. Yeah. Um, a lot of weird stuff, but yeah. So that's that's the, I would say the peak of DVD is like 06 to 08 Without DVDs, like, so I'm not trying to take away what's going on now, but I'm just saying if you talk about like heyday, that was like sure, I don't sure,
2: know. yeah, yeah. That's that's what I meant. I, I wasn't trying to diminish what's happening. No, no, right? for sure. Um, so there was you had all that success that really kind of started uh, with with big opportunities with tour in Europe, and it looks like you're for about sure. to go back there next month with a whole Boston tour. So tell me about this tour that came together with Slapshot risk and American war machine. How did that come together?
1: Uh, you know, it's funny. We've been talking about doing a Boston tour for years. And like, even, I don't know, like 10 years ago, it was like, we should do like unseen street dog, Slapshot death for like big bands. And then Mm -hmm. kept on falling apart. Those bands broke up. I don't know, whatever, whatever happened. it, It never came together. And, uh, you know, even for us, so Europe has always been great, and, you know, I feel like since we were playing, like, big, Fest, main stage, like, all this stuff, and, and that doesn't make us this or that, but we just got a lot of opportunities there, but even since, like, 2014, stopped going to Europe as much. I feel like there was a time where, I don't want to say, like, gave up on the States, but, like, You know, like I gave up on pushing, 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 but like European offers came in and were like, all right, we'll go do this. You know what I mean? Like I didn't break up, but I also wasn't like, we got to figure out a tour, you know? Um, So, you know, we kind of slacked on Europe for a bit and then uh, we went over there right after Unfinished Business came out with Terror. And that was fucking awesome. Not that we hadn't been there, but it was like good again. You know, I think the records, Unfinished Business really did a lot. So anyways, did that, did the summer tour last year. And I, I hit up Slapshot and I'm like, you yeah, we've never like toured Europe together. You know what I mean? Like, why don't we find, and Slapshot had been, I was talking to Ryan from Slapshot and he knows like from back in the day, we were trying to do the, the, the unseen Street Dogs version of this Boston tour. And we were laughing. We're like, dude, these bands are breaking up. It's never going to happen. So I hit them up and I'm like, dude, let's put together a tour and us and you guys. And we'll get a couple of young bands and uh, yeah. So they were cool with it. And uh, we hit up some young bands and risk was down to do it. We had a couple other bands and they, it couldn't work out. And then Ryan, Ryan who plays in slapshot also plays in American war machine. So American war machine, I think like the drummer, the bass player, And sometimes the guitar player these from Slapshot. It's just a different singer. So like, let's do American War Machine. So yeah, that all worked out. And uh, that's going to be next month. And I'm looking forward to it, man. It'll be cool. It'll be cool. Like Risk is doing a lot. They're making a lot of moves. So it's cool to take them over to Europe for their first time. And it's kind of cool to tour Slapshot Europe. We've never done that. You know, we might have played some fest together, but we've, and we played some shows in the States together, but we've never actually toured with Slapshot. So it's cool
2: yeah it is I I do think it's a very cool tour and it's one I'd like to see here it's a lot of diversity but you know kind of represents Boston as a whole Um, Risk like you mentioned is is a very cool young band I know they got something coming out on Never Ran Never Will but I'm not sure what else I know they have a record out already but uh, yeah they put out a
1: record last this year last this year sorry Um, and they've been doing last year yeah it might have been last yeah yeah you're right
2: it had to be last year year.
1: (laughs) yeah you're right it's only good to do this yeah uh but since then though they've just been like hitting the road and i think it's really cool like uh it's cool to see younger bands from boston like making moves like they're going anywhere they can they're being added to a bunch of festivals i think they're playing like the fya pre-show this weekend uh they did Mm -hmm. for the children in california but on top of that they'll just go out and do like 10 days and i think that's rad like because that's what we used to do and i was like And, and they're good friends of ours so it's cool that they're doing it. Uh, American War Machine, they did a record on Bridge Nine a few years ago. So, and they've never been to Europe. So, I think it's a cool package. We all know each other. So, and like you said, I think it it represents different eras of Boston, which is kind of cool.
2: Different eras and sounds, I'd say. I'd say different, you know, different different aspects of hardcore.
1: And you would hope, like you know, you do a tour like this, you would hope, like you know. You get some of the old school people and some of the just regular old people from us and some younger people, you know, I, just a good thing. You get the old, the really old. The- right, right. A combination of everything. So, yeah, it should be really cool. Um, so, we're going to do that. That starts uh, a month from now, like February 2nd to 16th, 18th. And then we stay there for 10 extra days. So, we're actually there all of February. And just DVD, we're doing, uh, we're headed down to like the Balkans. So, we're doing like Greece, Bulgaria. Um, Serbia, Macedonia, Romania. We're doing like ten shows, and you know we've been there before, but it's been a while, and those markets are really cool. So, yeah, once again, we were we went from a band like oh, we'll tour here and there, and then even getting back into it, I'm like, all right, we'll do stuff here and there, but do it strategic. And now I'm gone all of February.
2: It is really so cool that being in this band has afforded you so many opportunities to see so many different places in the world. Um, just last Absolutely. year. Last year is the first time I ever left the country. And it's only because my wife is from Italy and we went to visit okay. her childhood home before the, her parents moved back here. And I went to Canada once <laughs> to go to Niagara Falls all in the last year. You know what I mean? So <laughs> like I'm 38 years old and uh, by, by my age, you were over there like six times over. I'm, I'm exaggerating, but you know, maybe not.
1: No, dude. I mean, I don't know how old I was in 2005, but like even that first agnostic principle was six weeks. So I, it hit... It hit a lot of different countries, and yeah, so you know, that's why it's tough to say. Like, when you have these conversations, and it's like, should DVD be more recognized, or whatever the case is? There's, there's some aspects when you're like, yeah, sure, but then, then it's like, dude, I mean, we've been Southeast Asia, Europe, God knows how many times, but not just Europe, like the Eastern Bloc, Russia, Ukraine. Uh, dude, I played Estonia. I always thought Estonia was a fake place from... <laughs> from Encino. Man. Bio- <laughs> dude, i dead serious. I thought it was like a joke, and we were going to Europe literally for two months with Ignite, and I look, and I'm like, I'm playing Estonia? I thought it was like literally a joke. So You're
2: going to wheeze the juice, man.
1: Right. So yeah, dude, <laughs> between that, I mean, South America, Central, like even coming out of the pandemic, we did Mexico and Central America And then Bogota, which is kind of South America. But, you know, I I played Ecuador for the first time. Uh, I'd been to Central America before, but never played Ecuador. And that was fucking insane. Like, we're still getting cool opportunities. And that's one great thing, too. Like, for all any negative, like, to go around the world and see different hardcore scenes in different places, whether they're small or big. In some of these countries, people are just so appreciative that you're there playing. And it's such an amazing feeling. So, that's one of my... Favorite things to this day. I mean, it's still cool to play Boston or Brockton or even Baltimore sometimes. You know what I mean? It's still cool to play yeah. places, but when you get an opportunity to play a place that you've never played or you only played once because it's on the other side of the world, like it's fucking rad, you know?
2: I, I, I can only imagine, and I take your word for it.
1: Um, and it's like a, a hardcore band goes there, right? Like, granted, we're not getting paid millions, but we're also not paying millions to go there, you know? So it's, it's real. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's true. Well, you've been at it for, obviously, like we've touched on a bunch, a long time now, and I think it'd be really easy to point out what's changed in a negative way in hardcore, but what do you feel has changed for the better in the hardcore scene in your time in it?
1: it, You know, it's tough because things that I, even the negative stuff, like you said, there's, there's plenty of things you can consider negative, but I try not to even harp on negative because I guess with every negative you try to find a positive. But as far as positive shit, I think that it does seem like nowadays, um, in some fucked up way, the scene is a little more inclusive in the sense like uh, this goes back to that middle two thousand terminology. And I'm not saying people aren't going to wear a beatdown band, but people are like you. You look at a bill and everybody sounds a little bit different nowadays, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So these young bands that are hardcore bands, whether they have like an added thing to it, they're all playing with each other. And I think that's really cool. So you're getting people and it kind of reminds me of like the late nineties in a way. Like, I guess this goes back to like whatever I mentioned earlier, when you would see like strife with orange, nine millimeter and even death Tones, you know what I mean? Playing hardcore shows, um, mm-hmm. you get a diverse crowd. So I think, I think it's shifting from, cause I, I felt like there was a period where the MySpace days were like, people are getting into hardcore and you can already predetermine who you like based on your friends list. Right. Um, yeah. That's and top now, eight. What's that? I said the yeah, top, top eight, eight, man. Yeah. And then that traveled into like, you know, whatever. But I, like I said, I feel like the diversity and, a. In in the music aspect is like more inclusive. Like you can be a death metal-ish hardcore band and play with a straight up hardcore band and people aren't like, this is weird. And I think that's cool. Like, I think there should be more of that. Like one thing I've always pushed for, and this would be one of the things that have always irked to me is like, I want to do diverse stuff. Like, you know what I mean? Like we, last year we played a show with the Casualties in New Jersey. Dude, it was sick. We did phenomenal. And I'm like, I don't want to do that every day, but like I think there should be more like punk, death metal, hardcore. And it doesn't have to be completely crazy, but like I, I feel like I'm right. seeing more of that with the younger band. So
2: well, I mean, specifically that that example, you guys and the casualties isn't isn't too far removed. And uh and, it, and the funny thing always to me about that is you talk to the band members in both bands, they're probably very very similar, you know. But, absolutely. Uh, but the crowds are kind of what sets them apart. And uh, for sure, but they well, I mean, if they talk to each other, probably would realize it's not too dissimilar as well.
1: Well, you know what's funny is we uh, we were in Europe years ago, and the casualties were like finishing a tour and was like in the same hotel. And I don't know, I didn't know those dudes at the time. And two of them came to our show because they had a day off. They're flying out. I ended up hanging out with the bass player all night uh, afterwards. And yeah, like you said, we got along great. But I will say, when we played this show, I was like. I don't know how this is going to go. And dude, there was no fights. So we got a bunch of fast stuff. There was circle pits. You know what I mean? There were a bunch of people. They didn't walk away. So it was really cool. And that's obviously like, I've always liked that. Like coming up, like you would, see, you would see like, I don't, especially being from Boston, you would see like blood for blood, the bruisers, mm-hmm. you know, you would see a mix of boy punk, hardcore, Uh, on shows. Even Dropkick Murphys would would be on those bills back in the day. You know what I mean? Um, And like I said, I I don't... It's not like uh, DVD casualties that I'm seeing, but all these young bands have a different style, and they're playing together, and I think that opens a door for, you know, you go to a show and there's people that don't look traditionally hardcore, and I think that's cool because you're bringing in... You're exposing people to this underground thing... And they're getting into bands open-mindedly in a way, you know?
0: Well,
2: I think that's, that's it's very cool to hear you say that. And, uh, kind of a stark contrast to a lot of what people expect from people who've been around for a long, I think, I think from what young people in the hardcore expect from what we'll say veterans of the hardcore scene, cause you know, typically you got, you got a lot of fucking people in Facebook groups, telling telling people what is and isn't hardcore because of what it was back than what they think it should be and And
1: that's goofy because it's corny corny as fuck it's so corny because and this goes back to like being labeled a beatdown band right isn't hardcore not necessarily 100 percent about sound i'm sure that's how it like you know that's how it derives from but eventually it was a way of you know it's how you conducted yourself the shows you played it wasn't really your style right um right that's how we end up with
2: ringworm and all-out war as hardcore bands when it's straight up metal metal bands
1: right (laughs) like and and those 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 people in those bands are the most quote unquote hardcore motherfuckers ever and they conduct themselves in same way so i feel like this whole like you're hardcore you're not hardcore there's a thing and i always say this like i miss you know my first few shows when i had no clue what this was and i didn't know anybody there you know, this goes back to like, you hear this guy's been around for 20 years. You're like, oh, I want to meet people. And <laughs> The best thing ever was when I didn't know anybody because it was just yeah. about the music, right? And there was something to that organic, like you don't know anybody. You're a little bit scared, but you're also like intrigued and there's something in that. And, you know, then you start meeting people and have friends and you have a band and then it becomes like high school in a way, right? Like every... To go back and just like, so if I go like, you know, I'll go to the Middle East on like a Tuesday night and there's a sold out hardcore show and, you know, it's risk and a handful of bands and I'm looking around the crowd. and It's like, yeah, this regular looking hardcore kids, there's some older guys and there's also like kids there that are just enjoying themselves. And if you looked at them, you would go, that is a hardcore person or not. And that is fucking cool. And as long as they're supporting the music and supporting the bands. Do you see what I'm saying?
2: Absolutely. 100%. I think it's very cool. You're free to say that.
1: You know, there's sometimes I wish I fucking knew nobody. And obviously, like being in a yeah. band, connections is very important. But like, I, I really go back to that time. Like, I think my first show was like '93, and I went to see um, Biohazard. Oh, this band Stompbox from Boston, and Reason Enough from Boston. And uh, I kind of knew hardcore. I didn't know a lot about it. I, you know, this <laughs> is the era of like some local kids were in a hardcore, and hardcore was very. Diverse on what hardcore is. And it was fucking scary. And I thought at the time I wanted to know everybody. Like, it'd be cool if, like, these people thought I was cool or something. And then, you know, people didn't know me for a while. And there were a lot of those kids that I went to that first show from my town that didn't go to shows anymore. So I would go on my own because I was sucked in by it. And now going back, I was like, there was something truly organic about that. And that's what I try to do. Like, I guess it's kind of cool. Like, I know a bunch of these younger people and I acknowledge these bands when I see them, like, you know, cause I, I, I'm always at shows now and I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh shit, this younger bands cool. May not be my thing, but you know, they're killing it. And I try to like link up with them to do shows, but I'm also not like super tight with them. So in a way I can kind of stand in perspective, whether they know me or not, it, it's not the same as like 93, but I always look at hardcore now, like, yeah, I'm a part of hardcore, but to some extent, it's also like their world, like the younger bands, right? Yes, like, yes, for sure. Because I would, in our peak time, if some like older guy came up to me and said whatever, I'd be like, get the fuck out of here. This is not. Yeah, I try to you. respect everybody yeah. until you try to like <laughs> criticize me. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't go to shows and start fights with younger kids because I'm sure they'd be like, who the fuck is this Even if also, like,
2: also here, here's the, the thing. People. Sorry to interrupt you, but also they can probably beat us up now you
1: know (laughs) yeah i mean unless i have like a weapon i'm not trained in jujitsu like half these motherfuckers and i'm fucking 44
2: stronger faster yeah
1: uh but but i think there's something to that and i like i truly am respectful like you see like older people going this is how it used to be and trust me there's moments where i'm like dude it was fucking cool in this certain Mm -hmm. time but agree if these kids are going out Monday through... because Just because I went to that show on Tuesday night, these kids are out supporting shows and they're fucking packed. And I'm like, I'm not going to every show. I mean, I don't have a... I'm married. I don't have kids. I have a little more freedom. But I also work my ass off when I'm home from tour. So, you know, as long as they're yeah, It's their scene. And I'm respectful of that. I mean, unless I need to put my foot down on something. But most of the time, it's like... (laughs) I feel like if you're respectful to them, and it also it goes a long way. Like they, I, I want them, I want hardcore to be successful for the next 20 years. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And I think that's, I think that's where it gets lost on a lot of the uh, Facebook group type of guy who's for sure. not really got I, I see really a lot of much Google going on there.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's <laughs> tough though, because I do, you know, like I said, I mean, there's certain elements of the old days that I think are fucking amazing, but it's also like society too, right? You're, Mm-hmm. those days of like getting in a fight no, i don't know some ball guy hit me and he took off like this camera's everywhere everybody's pressing charges like it's a different day I can't this, yeah there's nothing wrong with that like i don't need to be out on lansdowne street fighting every friday and saturday night like fighting the regular folks that are coming into club nights because we're different than them like
2: Hell i don't know can can you imagine shit? getting i always say i can't imagine i think the adrenaline rush from a fight would give me a heart attack now you probably know, would. like that 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 like that feeling when you're actually like in a real one and uh, yeah, no, I can't even are. I can't even imagine feeling that anymore. Like, and, and but you I, don't even I, really I, I do that cardio that like three times a week and I don't want to feel that
1: anymore. <laughs> For sure, but you don't really see it that much. I'm not saying shit doesn't pop off, but I'm just saying like the element of danger and random crazy folks at hardcore shows. Like mm-hmm. from your era, like you said, whether it was the your friend that's a liability or the old guys that show up and used to be a liability. Yeah, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but it's not as frequent as now. You go there and it's almost like I feel like I'm at high school in a way. Because I'm like, these yeah, kids are young. Yeah, yeah. They're dressed uh, differently. But but I like that though, because it's like, I don't want to have to get involved and like stop a bunch of fucking fights or fucking punch someone in the face for being an idiot. You know what I mean? Like it's cool.
2: It, yeah, no, right? t- totally agreed. And that's that's something that Justice and I talked about recently, where it's like you you look across the room and it's like, well. I think uh, like three old guys could take this place over. I don't want to though. You know, I want, I want to let them have it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And and, and like I said, where, where you are seeing like the diverse bands, that's what I appreciate more. I guess like musically it's like, it's cool. Like you'll see like a band, like scowl playing with a band, like risk playing with a band, Mm -hmm. like vomit forth or something. You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah, yeah.
2: That's a cool bill to me. I'd be at that show
1: yeah and i think that's fucking cool and there needs to be more of that you know what i mean that's like we did a run out to chicago and back and you know us and cruel hand sure that's similar and we took care of the knife and it, like they're younger like i guess if you listen to them they're not the same but they're fucking rad and they hang out and they're hardcore right, man, right. You know?
2: yeah no and I, I i appreciate that aspect of the scene now and i i totally agree with you on being more inclusive and opening and I think I do and I agree too that I think it's for the better um for sure but for let's let's wrap it up with this one absolutely uh, you're doing Europe here next month yeah and uh it's been it's already been four years since your last record yeah I see you're going back to do some festival dates this yep. year as well so what what else is in store for Death of before honor any new music or is it all torn
1: no, we got, so uh, B-Roll, that was our original second guitar player, uh, is back mm-hmm. in the band. Um, he came back in when Colin left. Colin was in the band for 10 years and just other personal stuff. So we got to line up, like my drummer's been in the band at this point for 10 years, Ben. Uh, B-Roll's back in the band. We've been writing, which is amazing. Um, like a lot of stuff. So the plan is uh, next week we're doing a last-minute CD release for Trudel Death. With like this, there's, there's a show in Boston with Chisel and Barry Dreams and React. Yeah, uh, so we got added to that. So we got that. We go to Europe. We will do a bunch of touring, and then I think at the end of the year, um, we're gonna record. I don't know. I don't know if a full length is a thing anymore. I mean, we have a bunch of music to do it, but we'll at least do an EP. Um, but yeah, we've been writing like crazy, a lot of songs. Um, I just don't. Like I said, it's just a weird thing like to put out a full length. I don't know. I don't know if people will pay attention to a whole record anymore. I don't know. Like, I'm sure people that appreciate music will, but I feel like the younger people, their attention span is just a little shorter. So whether it's an EP or full length is to be determined. But my thought is maybe like recorded like November or something like that. So mm-hmm. we'll have a new record for next year.
2: November of next year
1: because that's the no, way it November this do. year record November <laughs> this year record have a new
2: record Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just saying the, the way the what production times are these days right you know, it'll be a, it'll be another year so you get it but, but but I am I am glad to hear that and and I think uh, just you talking about that made me realize that not a lot of EPs in Death Before Dishonor history which is rare well, for a so- hardcore
1: man. <laughs> you know what's weird is friends family forever the original because that was another thing that was re-released um mm-hmm. two years time-wise later, yeah. time-wise at that time it was technically an ep it was seven songs um and mm-hmm. then back then there was like a if it wasn't this many minutes it like mattered in the record industry so that was technically an ep and then we or added it the mcd it could have been that too I, I just remember like chris being like this was a time where you had to like have quote unquote a full light to submit sound scans to get on bigger tour. Like there was so much industry bullshit. Um, and I would even argue unfinished business is a quasi it's eight songs. Yeah. I'm sure it's, I think minute wise 20 minutes. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So I just don't know if we're going to do a true EP with like four songs or eight songs. I don't know what we'll do. We have a bunch of songs and that part is good. It feels good that we're writing, um, constantly and stuff that i think is dope so you'll definitely see a record from us i just don't know who what where when how i just know that we're gonna do a majority of this year like you said europe we're gonna go down to, we're gonna do like a rundown of florida get back out to the west coast we might have some south america shit back to europe and then go in and record a record which is basically i know it's been four years since unfinished business but you got to subtract what two or three for the stupid fucking covid that we we finally put out a record for the first time in ten years like COVID hit, still figure.
2: <laughs> and then it like got erased. <laughs>
1: that's why I can't count that. And I really love unfinished business. So that's why it's like we to push it. I appreciate it, man. I'm psyched on that record. It was the first record. Frankie didn't really write much on it. Colin did a bunch of it and Ben. And I think it sounds like fucking Death Fortage Honor. And it felt good to have a record that sounded like Death Fortress Honor currently. So yeah. So we'll we'll definitely do something. Different.
2: So there you have it. That was my conversation with Brian Harris of Death Before Dishonor. The song you just heard was Peace and Quiet from the album Better Ways to Die, which I played for two reasons. One, because I love that record, as I expressed in the interview, and two, because it's short and we're already going long in this episode, so we might as well wrap it up. But first, I want to say thanks again to Brian. If you couldn't tell, he was a little bit under the weather, not feeling too great, but he still stuck it out, did the interview. I highly appreciate that. And I appreciate you for listening. If you haven't yet, go on to gettingitout.net. What are you waiting for? I put a lot of work into that place. You should go there. Check out what's going on. New music came out today, Friday the 13th. Go see what's on the list. Go read the review I did for the Prosthetic Records debut of Italian screamo post-hardcore band Stormo. It's called Endocannibalismo. It's up there now. And of course, there'll be plenty more to come on the podcast. So I can leave you with that without an outro song, but I would never do that to you. I'm going to leave you with a song from American Standards. They are a chaotic, hardcore punk band out of Arizona. And they've got a new EP coming out on February 3rd called Dopamine Dealer. This song, The Tourist, is off of that. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.
0: what did you settle? What will we say? Try to draw until the violent game The white claim What lives on? That's a peek into the past life! Guide into your salvage throne!